Ladies, this is our time, and it's time to unburden ourselves of unrealistic expectations, including our own. The veneer we see in the media is often not just false, it's unhealthy. And frankly, some of it is just total bullshit. This is Chick Shit, a podcast that goes far beyond tropes, bringing you gritty realness about real-life experiences of today's woman. LJ and I break it down, right here, right now. Welcome to Chick Shit. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chick Shit with LJ and Di, your favorite weekly podcast that touches on things that the ladies and you know what everybody else deals with and how the media portrays it, what they portray really well and what they portray not so really well. As always, I pick the drinks and Di picks the topics. What are we talking about, Di? So today we're going to talk about feminism and the media we've chosen to use is the movie Moxie, which is a Netflix original and was created by one of my dear favorites, Amy Poehler. I thought you were about to say my dear friends. And I was like, I mean, I, I, my, my, I wish I'm you introduce me to Tina. Oh, (laughs) I'm I'm Liz Lemon. You are, you're Liz Lemon and I'm Leslie Nope. We have just figured out our friendship. Okay. That explains so much. And I wish that I did know her, but I have a thing with famous people that I love. I don't know if I ever want to meet them. So my girl, Brittany, our girl, Brittany, Miss Spears, Miss Spears. I don't know that I ever want to meet her. I don't. No, right. I want to no. see her perform. Oh, I have. And she was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see her perform and I want to scream along and shake my ass. I don't think that I want to meet her. No. Did but... I tell you that, that Matt had to buy those tickets twice? You didn't tell me he had to do it twice. What happened? So Matt bought me like pit tickets for Britney's yeah. Las Vegas In residency. Vegas. Yeah. And he told me the date and I booked the hotel. I booked the flights. I booked everything. We're sitting on the couch one Sunday. Our trip is scheduled for the next weekend. And he goes, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh F no. Oh no. And I'm like, what, what is happening? He's like, the concert was last night. Oh, That's the worst feeling in the literal entire world. Oh, and you know, those Britney tickets are not cheap. It was like basically two birthday gifts because he replaced them with the same like pit tickets. So girl, I could touch her. I could, I didn't because I respected her and I didn't want to, you know, put my hands on someone. And it was unclear whether she wanted the Sprite or not. You're right. But, (laughs) oh, oh my God, I lived it. I loved it. But again, don't want to meet her in person. Not here for that. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of times the story that you create in your mind or like the version of them that lives in your head that you're besties with may not be the same version of them as a real person. Mm -hmm. Although I really, truly feel if anybody was going to be just as like witty and creative and hilarious in real life, it's going to be Tina and Amy. Yes. But even learning some things about them can't take that risk. Yeah. So Amy Poehler was on one of my favorite podcasts, armchair expert Dak Shepard's Mm -hmm. show. And she was talking about like, yeah, I just, I don't do the pictures and I don't do the hugs. I will say hi and I will meet you and I will shake your hand. But to me, pictures are invasive. And so is Mm -hmm. hugging. And like, you don't know these things, right? You, you assume I just want a selfie, which is also terrible because now you're using them as an end to your means. If you want to get ethical about it, which is not great. And so just recognizing that you cannot make assumptions about a celebrity's comfort level, just like you Mm -hmm. can't a person, like a a Uh, normal person's comfort level. Another person we both love, Miss Sophie Turner, AKA the Queen of the North, AKA Mrs. Joe Jonas. So I only know her as Mrs. Joe Jonas. You know, I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. We're going to deal with that. 
every media source that we're using from now until the end of time, I'm going to find a way to get a Game of Thrones episode involved. I mean, knowing that you now, when you send me things through the mail, because you, you, I feel like you're You're the mother of hedgehogs. I'm the mother of hedgehogs because I love them. And you had to give me a Game of Thrones name. And also I think your love language is giving gifts. It it absolutely is. Right. It's also why I have such terrible credit card debt because I get (laughs) so excited and I'm like, they they will die if I don't give this to them. This is them. (laughs) Like, are you having a bad day? I'll buy you a pony. It's cool. They just upped my Amex limit. Like I'll deal with it later. Could Uh, it be a mini horse? Like on, I know you don't know Parks and Rec as much, but Lil Sebastian, I would like a mini horse named Lil Sebastian. Done. I'll call Lisa Vanderpump. She's really got an in with the mini horse community. No, oh, God. I, I, another show I know nothing about. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Is our friendship ending? <laughs> it might be. But it's not because no. we are women and we support women. And not only do women need to support women, but men need to support women, Boom. which is why we are talking about feminism today. So, if, what's our drink, LJ? Our drink. Search time low and I landed on a rosé, the Riveter. Nice. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the instructions said to use. And then I'm going to tell you what LJ used. <laughs> the instructions said to use Hendrix gin, which is my favorite, not a problem. And a honey simple, boiler alert, way too lazy to make a honey simple syrup for one cocktail. We didn't use it. A pomegranate liqueur, spoiler alert, that wasn't in my fridge. So I didn't go get it. You don't just have pomegranate laying around? Liqueur, no. And then every recipe that I found was like, garnish it with like a sprinkle of this cinnamony looking stuff that wasn't cinnamon, but it looked like cinnamon. So if you just needed to take a picture, you could probably sub cinnamon. Like a fancy twist of lemon or lime. So that's what you're supposed to do. What did you do? Well, I intended to try and stay as true as possible. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to also have rosé in it. Also, (laughs) I don't have rosé at the house, so it's not in there. So what are you drinking? I got my Hendrix gin out and it's the last of my Hendrix gin summer solstice edition. We have a ruby red tonic. And as my dressing, I have an apple raspberry fruit leather from Trader Joe's. (laughs) All right. Cheers. Rosé the River can be whatever you want it to be because you're a woman and you're in charge of making your own cocktails. That's right. So let me get us into the media summary. It's pretty short and sweet, even though there's so many actual plot lines in this movie, the media summary is short. So inspired by her mom's rebellious past and a confident new friend, a shy teenager named Vivian publishes an anonymous magazine calling out sexism at her school. The opening scene of the movie, we see Vivian, the main character running through a forest We don't know what she's running from or what she's running to. She looks pretty scared. And at some point in the dream, she opens her mouth to scream, but no sound comes out. And then she wakes up to her first day of school. And at her first day of school, she gets reconnected over the summer with her best friend, Claudia. And they're starting to talk about a list that will be coming out at school pretty soon. We don't know what the list is, but it doesn't sound great because one of the categories- It's rude and misogynistic. Yes, yes, yes. Goldie's word. Yes. (laughs) I don't think that it's my word, but it is- true. <laughs> but one of one of the categories on this list is most bangable. So, you know that this sounds pretty shitty. And then finally we get taken into a classroom for the first day of school. We meet the teacher who is adorable. What's his name? Baron Holtz. I was about to interrupt you to notify everyone that it is Nurse Morgan from the Mindy Project. It is yes. Ike Baron Holtz, a blessed character actor of our time. Yes, he's wonderful. But in this movie, he, his character grows. Not really. <laughs> he does the absolute minimum required. Yeah. In, in this classroom too, we start seeing a weird dynamic going on at the school. Basically, a lot of the guys are pretty scumbaggy. I mean, doing things that like looking girls up and down, 
and sitting in a seat pretty quickly so that a girl doesn't notice. And she goes to sit down. She accidentally sits in their lap, really skeezy, gross things. Genuinely wish she would have had a little fart saved up for that moment. So she could have just, <laughs> and then hopped back up, you know? <laughs> so I love to have little park walks around the park, right? That's my mental yeah. health break. I like to go do yeah. my pod walks and it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I live off a pretty busy road and there are some honking, some cat callings and all I do, all I want to do or wish I can do while that hap- that's happening is just let out the biggest fucking fart in the world. A belch would work too. You know, those are both, op- both options. Yeah. And just like you mother, I am farting my ass off and I hope that you can smell <laughs> Have it. Have you ever heard car. of crop dusting? Cause I'm doing it. I'm doing it <laughs> as you cat call me anyway. <laughs> wow. I took us off the track there. That doesn't happen Let's, a lot. Uh, everybody note this, uh, die derailed us. That's a first, probably a last. <laughs> Let's all cherish it. <laughs> but in this, in this classroom scene, we see a few dynamics. We see this gross male, power, inappropriate behavior that gets away with. You can tell this is like a culture that's been established in the school. And then Mm -hmm. we see a contrast in with Seth, who is this little cutie, uh, floppy haired Seth. He has floppy hair and it's wonderful. And I just like when he flops it back and forth, it's the cutest thing, but Vivian, I I missed his hair's floppy. Is that what we were saying? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. We see a stark contrast in the guys in the classroom, those who have respect for women and those who clearly don't. Was your high school like this? I want to say, so spoiler alert, I went to a private Christian school. Some girls were like untouchables, like they wouldn't actually do anything to their face. I'm not saying they weren't talking trash behind, but like my, one of my favorite bands, the band that brought Di and I's husband together, which eventually brought Di and I together shine down. Uh, there was a group of guys that just absolutely, they painted my entire car with shine down sucks. So I would say they weren't the most respectful bunch in the world. Mm. And then I went to the principal and much like we'll discuss later, I was told, calm down. It's just a prank. Ew. Yeah. Double ew. And this sort of behavior really starts establishing boys will be boys. You can get away with this. If there are no boundaries and we all accept it as a culture, that's where these differences in power and differences and equality can persist. Even to the point, you know, one of the parts in this scene too, is them talking about a book that got read over the summer and Lucy, one of the characters in the movie asks about the book and why do we have to read this? It's a book about white men writing a book about white men, powerful white men. And, you know, one of the things to note too, is it in history growing up in schools too, that was history is always primarily written by those who hold the power. And we don't learn a lot about women who did great things in history So, and I know this isn't the topic of today's episode, but just because we discussed this earlier and I listened to a podcast on it earlier, not only do history books not discuss the great things women have done, they also greatly whitewash some of the terrible things men have done. Mm, Absolutely. So what I'm saying is don't trust your history books, kids. (laughs) So we see with Seth being kind of the one that you can tell is more sincere and very pushing for equality in the scene or at the school as, as a guy, it brings up a question that I feel is pretty controversial and that's, can men be feminists? Can they be called feminists? So we looked at this and it seems like there's like a hot debate from both sides on that. And I think the best way that it was explained to me, and I'm not going to say I agree with this, but this is the best way that it was explained in terms that I could understand was that I am not a queer, therefore to the LGBTQ community, I'm an ally. I'm not a black or brown person. Therefore to my black and brown brothers and sisters, I'm an ally. So if a man is not a woman, would they be considered an ally? Let's discuss. Well, hmm, where does that leave our non-binary friends? And where does that leave people who are intersex? 
where, mm-hmm. what does that do for them? There, that's so, where, no, and yeah, that's where, that's where I said, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's the first way that someone has explained it in terms that made sense. But, and if you think about it, it's only of recent times that intersex non-binary been pushed into the mainstream world to where you have actors, actresses, singers, all these people are now saying, this is what I am. And people who were not involved or around LGBTQ communities are now hearing these things they've never heard. So I expect to see the arguments on this change even more in the coming years. And when you say it's not been brought to mainstream, it's, I just want to clarify, does it mean that people haven't exist in these gender constructs or falling outside of these gender constructs that we've created as a society? It's just Mm -hmm. that we, it's, it's now more spoken about and more shared um, and becoming in a good way, a part of our oh, acceptance as society and recognizing the differences in lives and, and living to be your true self in society. So just want to be clear on that. Yeah. And to the point where I'm shocked now when I get an email and I don't see someone's pronouns mm-hmm. social, like, so here's where I don't know that I have a stance one way or another, but if if someone is going to be on our side for equality for all, then I'm here for it. All right. There's one little scene in the the movie that I want to chat about, not, not rest too long on it, but Vivian and her mom are shopping at a grocery store and Vivian's explaining to her mom, the shit that's been going down at school with Mitchell, who is the, the main asshole in the movie, just being a jerk. And them having a conversation about that, that there is one part when they're checking out at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite quotes. When she goes to check out and there's a man at the end that's there to help bag. And she's like, no, 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 I got it. And he's like, okay, just make sure you put your eggs at the bottom. And she was like, oh, so I don't just open the carton and dump them all in there loose. I got a great giggle out of that. (laughs) But also it may have been like a touch aggressive. I think this scene was used to demonstrate mansplaining, obviously, uh, as it relates to our, our bigger umbrella topic, feminism and nothing is worse than being mansplained, but I feel like I am an explainer inadvertently (laughs) on topics. And maybe that just makes me annoying as fuck or I know it all. So I struggle with the concepts of man. No, I'm I know it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but I struggle with the concept of of uh, mansplaining. Not not that it exists or what it is. I absolutely mm-hmm. know what that is. But I sometimes can't tell if it's someone's mansplaining or if someone's trying to be helpful. See, I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I generally, unless I've said, "Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me?" or like, "Do you have an expertise in this?" When someone tries to explain something to me, I just assume like, shut up. I didn't ask for your help. Don't you mansplain this to me, which also might be why I'm single. Who knows? <laughs> just shutting down potential soulmates left and right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the school. As we talked about, there's a weird culture happening at the school where not that the culture is weird because boys are in power because hello, we live in a world yeah. where hello. males have a lot of power, but um, just the extent to the sexual harassment that's happening in school and the harassment in general is pretty elevated. So much so that Lucy, who is one of the main characters in the movie, actually goes to seek help from a principal for how much Mitchell has been harassing her. And I think that Principal Shelley handles it pretty poorly. And in addition to Principal Shelley handling it poorly, Vivian also kind of brushes off Mitchell's behavior when Lucy and her chat about it, because again, it's just kind of accepted. There's a culture of accepted poor behavior. Yeah. So a couple thoughts on this. First of all, Lucy is a queen. Because when Vivian says like, hey, don't worry about Mitchell, just keep your head down. He'll be on to the next person. And she was like, why do I have to ignore him? Why do I have to keep my head down? Why can't he just not be a dick? I'm going to keep my head up. Mm-hmm. And then when he continues and she goes to the principal and says, I'm being harassed, the principal, which by the way, Principal Shelley is 
Christian Grey's mother, a celebrated <laughs> pediatrician from the movie Fifty Shade, Shade, Fifty Shades of Grey that we used last week for BDSM. So she should know better. But she said I'm being harassed. And she said, ooh, 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 no, no, let's not use that word. And Lucy goes, no, but I'm being harassed. And she goes, oh, there's that word again. Every time you use that word, it requires me to do a lot of paperwork. And so she essentially is just like, go join the band. Bye. Why? Why? Why don't we believe women? Why? <laughs> why do women have to bear the burden of proof and we can take man's word? And I'm not saying that happens with everything, but everyone saw how Mitchell was acting. Mm-hmm. And who cares? That's just Mitchell. Good old Schwarzenegger kid. <laughs> but when Lucy comes in with proof, she's been on the list for not something nice. She's been verbally attacked by him in class. He has spit in her Coca-Cola. She's told, boop, 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 just go and join the band. It'll all be okay. In education too, there's a lot expected from teachers and they are not paid nearly enough for what they do and what they're oh, asked nope. to do. And they're also don't have capacity to take on more because they're already strapped to a team with their responsibilities. But I feel like there should be harassment training or ways to handle this as a form of, you know, just, just systems and tools in schools. Uh, we have tornado warnings. We've got active shooter drills. Mm, this uh-uh. should be elevated as as just as important and just as traumatizing in a way um, that can can, can affect someone well they're essentially getting harassed in this boys will be boys or like this just is the way it is from then on and no one's even acknowledging it but after school vivian is working on her college application essay and she chats with her mom about a topic and like what she was into when she was her age. And her mom basically talks about, well, all I wanted to do was burn it all down and smash the patriarchy. And then Vivian kind of gets inspired seeing all the shit that's happening at school to go through her mom's things. She sees her mom in old activist photos and she sees her mom being a a feminist. And I think what was like the nineties era, a wave of feminism and so I feel like that's we saw some pictures her. from the earlier waves too. Am I making that up? I I can't remember. I may be making that up. Okay. I can't remember. But can you tell me about the earlier waves? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in our research, there's so much debate on, should we call them waves? Should we not call them waves? Are we still in the third wave or are we in a fourth wave? What can be agreed upon is there were kind of three set actions of movements in, in our history from the late 19th century to the early 20th century was kind of the first round. And it was basically largely driven by the desire for equality and voting. But the, but the problem with that wave is that it was really based on white women's right to vote. And even though there were women of color that participated and were giant activists during that first wave, they didn't really get the equal rights that they were looking for to have their voices heard. Nobody got equal rights. They didn't get these small additional rights that the white women did. Right, right, right. And even in their marches, the women of color were forced to like march behind the white women and keep their voices down. Awful. So then, then we, we move forward. White women get the right to vote, even though it's women get the right to vote. We know that there were several things happening in the South that uh, largely in the South, but also all over the country that continue to push women of color's uh, opportunities down and when it came to vote and, and like harsher barriers to voting, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the second wave was actually kind of in the 60s. There was a book that came out at the time, The Feminine Mystique, that basically was handed around to all these middle class, again, white women mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that talked about having identities outside of being you know, what that standard identity was to be the homemaker, to be in the house, et cetera. So there was another book around that time called the second, the second sex by Simone de Bouvier. Yes. Which was also people essentially thought she was the worst person in the world. And she was the devil for saying, we don't have to do what you think we have to do. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the 60s did bring some some good things. We had the Equal Pay Act that came out and a right to educational equality, which is really important for women. We got birth control rights for married and unmarried women. And then, you know, obviously the big, big, big one was Roe v. Wade that happened that's still in jeopardy today. Um, as many states try to take that back and control rights over our bodies again as women. If you're wondering when I was going to start crying on this episode, that did it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that <gasps> is rights over our bodies should never be in question. And they are as women. And until we get past that, we'll, we'll never be equal. That is stone cold fact. There are rich white men in offices deciding what we can do with our body and taking away our autonomy. And I'm not okay with that. A few more things that happened in the, in the quote unquote second wave, a lot of awareness was raised about uh, domestic violence and, and bringing that to attention that that happens within the construct of marriage as well. And bringing that to the forefront and also allowing women to hold credit under their own name, applying for mortgages, applying for credit card applications, et cetera. And then the kind of the I wouldn't say the last wave because there's an argument to be made about uh, the women's march that happened a few years ago of whether that kicked off a new, a new wave or if it's still a part of the same one. But the last one kind of was in the 1990s. And those are the pictures that Vivian is looking through that her mom participated in. Now I do want to to some stellar all-female punk too, (laughs) Yeah, on a record. (laughs) Not important, but important. (laughs) I do want to talk about this idea too of smashing the patriarchy and burning it all down because I think this is all about branding. (laughs) And I think that this is where some women even shy away from calling themselves feminists because there's such a big misunderstanding of what it means to be a feminist and what, what it doesn't mean and what the lies are about. And about, so yeah. you, I know you and I have discussed that we have some beautiful, supremely intelligent female friends who are doing huge things with their life that think that feminism is just a man-hating club. I had one of those friends post pretty openly Feminism is man-hating. I am not a feminist. I earn my respect by walking into a room and giving a firm handshake. Well, that's wonderful. That's not going to give you equal pay. That handshake is not going to get you autonomy over your body. That handshake is not going to bring every other woman up to the same starting line we got because we're white. That's not going to bring all women of every color up to the same starting line men start at. So do you have the actual definition? Can we lay some knowledge down? Yeah, absolutely. So feminism is the belief in and advocacy of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. It's also the belief that women and men are equal and should live in a world that reflects this. It is not the belief that women are better than men. And I see. (laughs) (laughs) So I also want to like talk about misconceptions that are probably out there. Like one of your, one of your good friends posted about what feminism is. So I pulled this from, so you want to talk about that feminists hate men, not accurate that everybody's angry. (laughs) No, that feminists maybe right now, somewhat accurate. I mean, can be feminists are not feminine. All feminists are Democrats. And feminists are not religious. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. And feminists are promiscuous. Well, I mean, half true. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that if you look at what feminism is trying to do, it's just trying to get us a level playing field. I think it's time for us to talk about the pressure cooker situation. Uh, I absolutely agree. And I love that my pressure cooker therapy moment continues to be a mainstay in our podcast. Uh, Well, it's just a perfect analogy. I know it. Um, Take me, please, if you would kindly to the pep rally. Yeah. So we are at a pep rally for a football team that is a piece of shit. (laughs) No, just kidding. But they're nicely. Well, I mean, they're not great. They're not great. Of course, we have a pup rally for the boys 
prime sports team and not the girls prime sports team. And the girls soccer team is killing it, but it doesn't matter. Winning, winning, winning. Doesn't matter. Uh, And so at the pep rally, the list comes out the list that we mentioned towards the beginning of the episode, the list that had categories such as most bangable and best ass and a number of topics, not LJ and not LJ. Continue. No, No, you will not talk about my friend LJ like that. She doesn't have an ass. So (laughs) you should probably accept that. (laughs) So they added a category this time. And the category, as we've been mentioning, Mitchell is an asshole and Lucy has been sticking up for herself. And so what did the guys Uh, decide? The biggest see you next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, they made a new category called the biggest C word and put Lucy as the winner of that category. And so Vivian is just pissed as she should be because this is so fucked up. And even to the point again, where principal Shelly, Lucy walks her phone over to principal Shelly to show her this list that's come out and principal Shelly's like, oop, that's social media. I don't have anything to do with that. which is such bullshit because social media is such a giant part of our lives and affects so many students and Um, so many school-aged bullying things happen via social media yes 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 and so vivian's had it she goes home and she immediately starts creating a magazine she takes inspiration from her mom's activism and the work that she did Back in the day, she basically scrapbooks out a magazine that encourages girls at the school to really actually beyond girls to bound together for the injustices that they're seeing and starts promoting a, a small type of protests that includes, hey, if you're in support of this cause, just come to school with hearts and stars on your hand. And I think this is a great point in the movie starting That's, to show. Yeah like activism and, and the little steps that you can take to unite for a common cause, knowing that you're in it with someone that you're, you're working towards the same equal rights as someone is already huge in it. And that's, in itself. that's such a, like so many people are like, I want to do something, but I don't know what that's the teensiest, tinsiest thing that she probably could have done. Mm-hmm. And girls that had never spoken before were seeing each other's hands and being like, yeah, girl. Yeah. 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 So like little things speak large words. And you know, (laughs) sometimes it's, uh, (laughs) you teensy. And uh, sometimes it's hard to understand what level of support you can personally provide. So I Mm -hmm. do want to talk about the dress code scene and set us up for that. So there is a girl at the school who is wearing a tank top. As about six other girls in the same exact classroom are wearing very similar tank tops, but principal Shelly comes in and approaches this girl and says, Hey, do you have a, do you have a sweater? And she's like, no, it's summer. I don't have a sweater. It's hot as shit outside. She doesn't say that to the principal. No, but- verbatim. That's what she said. You just read between the, the lines. <laughs> uh, So the girl ends up getting sent home for the day because she did not have anything to cover basically her boobs. That's the issue here, which I was basically this year's old when I really sat down and thought about how gross dress codes were and how unfair they are and how they heavily lean one way over another. I mean, in our high school, we even had a dress code at prom, but the dress codes were primarily targeted at girls. Shorts have to be fingertip links. You have to have your top collar no lower than three inches above the clav or below the clavicle. And the boys were like, don't wear a hat. It wasn't about covering their bodies like it is with girls. Yeah. So when I was in like middle school, whatever, we had the dress code of like, you have to wear these colors, polo shirt and khaki pants. So there wasn't really like everybody was wearing the same thing, mm-hmm. but in high school, it was a little more lax. It was, you can wear jeans with no holes in them. We couldn't wear shorts, but guys could wear shorts. You couldn't wear tank tops. Guys also couldn't wear it. So like 
I think that really also kind of depends on where you're at, but the dress code is either like somewhat fair or totally skewed towards guys can do whatever they want. And we have to cover little lady skin at all costs. But that's such bullshit because it's not our responsibility as women to control the male gaze. It's our responsibility to give or to not give consent. That is our responsibility. Doesn't matter if I'm wearing a mini skirt, a crop top, which I do love me a crop. You top. do love a crop top. I do. I do. It doesn't it's seven matter. o'clock on the dot. You're in your drop top wearing your crop top. Sorry. <laughs> Every time you say crop top, that's where my head goes right to usher. But it's not our responsibility. And just oh, wa- watching this movie, I was like, oh God. Well, but- and it's not even like she came in and picked out every single girl that had a tank top right. it was hey you're developed let's cover that up yeah exactly. they're not gonna be attracted to those little flat-chested ladies but you got some knockers so let's get you out of here which is reinforcing horrible 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 standards. oh my god <laughs> fucking a uh so again we have an episode on body dysmorphia coming up everyone mm, buckle up oh shit okay so Moxie inspires the girls to protest by all wearing tank tops. No matter what your body looks like, it it doesn't matter. Everybody protests by wearing tank tops. So Vivian's best friend, Claudia, is an Asian American. And she puts on a a tank top to leave her house. And her mom's like, "Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh uh-uh, 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 no way. And I think what this film is trying to baby touch at and not not doing a good job at it is the intersectionality of feminism so mm-hmm. showing that more than one thing can affect you too it can be your heritage it can be your race it can be your religion whether or not you have a disability there are several things that can play into feminism and also mm-hmm. affect you and i think that's what the movie is trying to do with claudia her mom not allowing her to wear the tank top and so she goes and she changes and she comes to school vivian's very disappointed but at the same time you can choose your own way to participate Correct. and support the cause one thing that claudia does even though she doesn't wear the tank top in support of the dress code protest claudia yep. registers moxie as a club on campus so that their flyers and stuff don't continuously get torn down and also so that they can have a nomination for student athlete which we should get into absolutely just real quick, uh, apparently I was a bad kid because when my po- parents told me not to wear something, I was just like, no problem. And I put something baggy over it, walked out of the house and then ripped them off, ripped it off when I was out of sight. <laughs> I so don't apparently think that- I'm, I'm a disrespectful child. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I don't think that makes you a bad kid, but like I totally get, you know, recognizing the sacrifices yeah. your parents have made so that you respect them. Well, my my and parents definitely made sacrifices. I you just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> sacrifice my fashion. <laughs> Um, so what you were trying to get to is the fact that all of the moxie girls went to the football game the night that they were announcing who was running for a student athlete scholarship and wouldn't you know it little angel baby mitchell was running with no challengers so what did those girls do well, first I have to say, when we say Angel Baby Mitchell, that is the biggest sarcasm. Yeah, because he's a piece of shit. It's <laughs> a um, <laughs> big pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, so the girls and floppy-haired Seth nominate <laughs> Kiera, who is the winning soccer team's captain, to be student athlete. And they do campaigning for her. And all of this is basically what all their quote unquote work has been leading up to equality. Yep. Let's challenge this. Let's get someone who is actually, she's, she's better than him as an athlete. hundred percent. One hundo P let's, let's put all of our energy in this campaign and let's really move this cause along to get some equality happening to, to right the wrong at the school. And so they do this and they do great things together and they campaign and unfortunately they don't win. They don't win. And it's a tough loss. That's a punch to the gut because they were campaigning for her to win, but 
they were really campaigning for their entire stance and mm-hmm. for for something to hold on to. That just happened to be the thing that they could put that energy into. Yeah. And you know, Vivian does not handle this well. She does a number of things after this disappointment. She gets drunk, shows up at her mom's <laughs> house, like just trash. By the way, um, do you remember the days when you were drunk off half a bottle of champagne? Because that was a while ago for me. That was a while ago. I don't remember. I shouldn't be proud of that, but I kind of (laughs) am. But she does a number of things to handle this disappointment. One of which is she decides to create asshole stickers and go put them on all of the crummy guys and Principal Shelley's car, um, (laughs) all the crummy guys lockers. And I'm not a fan of this. Because yeah, it's a little aggressive. It's that it went from we want equal rights to I'm mad at the world and I'm going to call it an asshole. Yeah. And I don't think that that is they make an asshole list or like, do they make an asshole mm-hmm. list? Yeah. On the next volume of the magazine, they kind of like make their own list. And Mitchell and his friend are the biggest assholes. Yeah. And I just don't like the way that this is handled. And, and I, I mean, it shows mistakes can be made obviously, but if you're going for a cause, there is no need to continue to tear down others to get your cause lifted. It is not a, and it almost, it almost sets back because you're trying to say how they've treated you as wrong. And in turn, you're treating them the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little counterintuitive. Yeah. And that's what is that gets... how that word's supposed to be used? I think so. I okay. mispronounce and miss say things all the time on this podcast. So I'm just gonna go with yes. But I think that this is you don't have to c- cut someone down to pull yourself mm-hmm. up. And as yeah. women, one thing that I've been trying to get, not that I was ever shitty at this, but one thing I'm trying to be better at is making sure that I don't cut down other women, no matter what. And it doesn't matter if like, so-and-so annoyed me at work. There's no need to cut down another woman at work in front of another, uh, in front of any group. We already have the world cutting us down. (laughs) We don't need to pull others down for the sake of lifting us up. There's just no need for it. Do your venting right. in your own way, vent to your spouse if you need to, or your partner or your friend. Email chick like, pod. We'll, we'll vent with you. No, <laughs> no but I mean, we're, t- we're like, there's no benefit right. in cutting other women down. There's just not. No. And my, like, I overthink everything. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I know. Like, oh, it's a problem for us. <laughs> but I always try to put myself in the place of like, I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know what their home life is like. I don't know what experiences they've survived. I don't know what they have been through. Cause for all I know, what seems snippy to me could be them like just trying to hold it together to get through the day because something horrible has happened or because they didn't get a promotion. They, I don't know what's happening. So obviously big disappointment and in the loss with Kira not getting student athlete, but Moxie's efforts are not a lost cause. Correct. Um, there is an anonymous letter at the end of the movie that is written to Moxie and left in the bathroom because that's where the Moxie magazines had been dropped off previously. Vivian gets the letter and it's a girl crying out for help. They don't know who to go to, don't know what to ask, don't know what to really say, but feel like this is a community that's been established that could help them. And the girl in the letter cries out for help. She admits to being raped and really not knowing what to do. And so Vivian in trying to provide support to this person takes some red paint and the, the school's name, by the way, is, is Rockport. And so Vivian goes to the school and instead paints Rayport. And she drops a fresh copy of Moxie that says what happened and stages a walkout of everyone in the school in, in protest of what's happened. So the next day at school, you can tell that this movement has impacted people and the walkout happens. Everybody 
walks out and the teacher, even the teacher who we love holds up his hands that have hearts and stars on them and support of this movement. And they basically just have a session at the end to let out everything that they've been holding in. Each one of the girls takes a stand on a bench outside the school yelling Mm -hmm. out what's happened. And we actually find out that the girl that was raped was raped by Mitchell, which is so awful. He was her boyfriend. She told him, no, he did. He went on anyway, but you can, she was voted most bangable on the list. So imagine the trauma that brings with it. And I, I've, I've watched this movie three times now, four times now. And I cry every time at that scene. Yep. I don't cry. I'm not a crier. It's a well-known fact about me. (laughs) But I think that this movie is wrapping with just showing the community, showing that we're here for each other through the shit and that we are all fighting to become equal in society. And that's Moxie. Should we uh, go over any favorite quotes before we rate the episode? I mean, I think I used both of mine, but I will repeat them because they still bring me joy. Uh, When Vivian is telling Lucy, like, keep your head down, just ignore Mitchell. He'll be on to somebody new. And she was like, why do I have to keep ignoring him? He should just stop being a dick. I'm going to keep my head up. And then when Lucy goes to the principal and tells her she's being harassed and principal Shelly, AKA mama gray says, Ooh, 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 ooh. Ah, there's that word again. We're not going to use that word. Cause when we use that word, I have to do a whole lot of paperwork mm-hmm. because that is sad, but that probably actually happens. Yeah. How about you? Do you have any favorite quotes? We didn't talk about it a lot, but when Vivian's shopping in the store with her mom and she's complaining about Mitchell, her mom says, you know, sometimes I think about the fact that Mitchell is going to breed and that his offspring will be tall, handsome assholes. And it makes me very, very sad. And I was like, oh, that's so relatable. Oh my God. And you know, it's funny because it's true. Oh, it's so true. And I've talked to several friends who have actually recently had little boys and talked about the importance of raising them and how they're so stressed about making sure that they don't raise, you know, they raise tiny little assholes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Listen, um, I have three older brothers and I'm here to tell you they're now they're just giant assholes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Little... I love my brothers very much, <laughs> but they are assholes. <laughs> I stand so by that. that. <laughs> and with that note, let's rate the episode. LJ, what are you giving this one? I struggle. I struggle. I struggle because I loved the movie so much, but I know if I rate it based on how I feel about it, you yell at me. Yep. It's very Accurate. upsetting for you. Check, what? check, check check accurate (laughs) i'm gonna give it i think i'm gonna give it six and a half chicks because i think that there were some i'm gonna choose to believe that the movie was made from a perspective of feminism at that age and at that age you can't well that's a lot you can't greta thornburg is the example but most people can't like go to washington go to these marches go to that so usually in high school, you're limited to the actions that you can take. So from that standpoint, I think it was pretty cool. I don't think that they they had different races. They had LGBTQ plus representation, but those people didn't have as big of a say in the story. And I think we kind of like took a lot of time at the end from wanting equality to just being real mean. And I didn't like that. But six and a half chicks, not terrible. If I'm just rating the enjoyability of the movie, I'm going to give it a 10. Everyone watch it, but I'm not allowed to do that. So six and a half chicks. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of my biggest issues with this movie is that it doesn't take intersectional feminism into account. Really. There are little snippets here and there, but Mm -hmm. largely this is a story told from a white woman's perspective, which we know doesn't represent majority of people's experiences and is very siloed. So not a fan of that. Do like what you said, um, that there is more representation in this movie. We see someone with a disability in this movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see a a few members of the LGBTQ plus community. We see people of color. Great, great, great. But again, the narrative is through a white chick's perspective and that that can be problematic if we want to get into how the deep aspects of intersectional feminism. 
Now, I'm glad that you're the one saying that word because I would butcher it. (laughs) It's a couple syllables too long for me. (laughs) Because they're in high school, there's not going to be that wage discussion, right? Mm -hmm. They're not getting into their careers, talking about how how to advocate for yourself and your value and your worth and knowing that wage discrepancy is a giant thing. We're not there. And there's not really a talk about healthcare either. So there's, there's a couple of gaps that are, are, are missing for the story. So overall, I'm going to give this movie a six out of 10 chicks. I approve. Also, I know we didn't hit on this and I know that uh, high school girls probably aren't waking up in the middle of the night worried about the wage gap, but since you brought it up, would you like to know the wage gap across different ethnicities of women compared to a white man's $1? Oh, I don't know if I'd like to know, but I think it's important. Well, you're gonna (laughs) Ah, buckle up. Also, this is data from the Census Bureau. The most recent one we have is 2018. So keep in mind, this may have changed a little bit, but probably realistically not that much. So to a white man's $1, a white woman earns about 79 cents. To a white man's $1, a black woman earns about 62 cents. To a white man's $1, a Hispanic or Latina woman earns 54 cents. Let that smack you across the face. To a white man's $1, an Asian woman earns 90 cents. And to a white man's $1, do you want to take a guess? Uh, American Indian and Alaskan Native women? Do you want to guess? No. 57 cents. So some genders of women are worth about half of what a white man's worth such bullshit we really brought this podcast down again. <laughs> <laughs> that is what's happening in the world today and all we can do is unite and uh keep fighting the good fight work on it together love it all righty and that is it for another episode of your favorite weekly podcast if you hear whining in the background my dog has just figured out that i am in the basement so that's what's <laughs> happening do you have any wonderful stories of lifting up other women other women lifting you up just great friends that you want to tell us about because they're wonderful send that through to chickshitpod at gmail.com as usual if you do not want it shared put that in big bold letters at the top because i skim emails <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We're on Audible because we're old women and it's wonderful. Get your audiobooks and your Chick Ship Pod. Uh, everything is at Chick Ship Pod. Die, have I forgotten anything? If you have capacity to do so, we would love a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's a way to help us get out to others and just spread the word about the chick shit we're going through, spread the barkies around that we're hearing in the background. Vince is really wanting to have his voice heard tonight. Apparently. All right. So that's it for us. We will see y'all next week. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Chick Shit. We hope this episode has pushed you just enough to lose a little faith in the media's veneer and gain some useful knowledge to help navigate the day-to-day nonsense that we women contend with. For resources and general mischief, follow on Instagram and Twitter at ChickShitPod or get in touch by email at ChickShitPod at gmail.com. To help others find the show, please like and subscribe. And if you know a woman who might appreciate two new friends and a good dose of laughter, please share this podcast. Until next time, keep it real.